From the second reading today, St. Paul says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys God's temple, God will destroy that man, for the temple of God is holy, and you are that temple. In the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. When I was a kid, there was a program on TV which was famous. It was called The Waltz. Um, this family, um, this big family raising their kids during the Depression. They had grandma and grandpa living there, so we learned all about them and all about the kids. And there were a couple of people um, who lived in um, on Walton's Mountain. Um, one man ran the, the general store, Ike Godsey. Then we later... He, later on, he got married to a woman named Cora Godsey. So we learned all about them. Anyway, it was um, such a series wouldn't fly today because there was no nudity. Um, so anyway, the uh, uh, about 10 years ago, the woman who played Cora, you know, Ike's wife, the one who ran the general store, she moved to Dallas. Now, if you're not familiar with Dallas, in the middle of Dallas, downtown, is the cathedral, and about a mile away is St. Joseph's Parish. Everybody calls it Old St. Joseph because it closed down. It closed down and was empty for a long time. Then the um, Koreans had um, taken it over as their parish, and it was called St. Andrew Kim. But then they moved, about 10 years ago, they moved to their own church, they built a church, and St. Joseph's was vacant. That's when Cora moved to Dallas. Cora bought old St. Joseph's, and she moved in and made it her house, made it her home. So um, you've seen pictures. You could probably find them on the Internet. Uh, Cora's house, um, she's now turned it into her her bedroom, her dining room, her whatever, and so you can see the uh, you see the beautiful windows there from Germany, and um, Cora has taken the house of God, which is to be a gate of heaven, and she turned it into her own house. Now this is um, a few years before Bishop Farrell ever got here. Not only do I did I disagree with that decision by the diocese to sell Cora that church I still disagree with it and maybe God will move Cora's heart to leave that church to responsible Catholics who will take care of it independently of the diocese I think it's a I think it's a a, 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 a blotch on the diocese before the Koreans moved in to St. Joseph's you know and turned it into St. Andrew Kim uh, the diocese rented it out again this is long before Bishop Farrell came here. Um, and they turned it into a boxing ring. So a Catholic church becoming a boxing ring. Catholic church becoming someone's home. Though I can understand that. I can understand the last one better than I can understand the first one because some of you sleep here. The, uh, you know who you are. Shh, don't wake him up. The, anyway... The, uh, I read on the Greenville Herald Banners website yesterday that just around the corner from here on Wesley, uh, where Brighton used to have the car dealership, that Walmart is going to build a grocery store. What if Walmart decided instead of buying that property, they were going to buy this property 
and turn this into a grocery store, a marketplace. Now you see where I'm going. Jesus, um, it says that um, um, this gospel translation is not the best because it says some of the Jews said, what sign can you show us for doing this? Other translations say, hey, buddy, who gave you the authority? Now, they're not looking for a sign. They want to say, who, who, who died and left you, God? Right? Who gave you the authority? And Jesus is God. Is Jesus got really mad when he saw the doves. Does Jesus hate doves? Does he hate um, cattle? You know, the sheep and the oxen. Does Jesus hate money? No, no. See, all of these things were in the temple. All of these things should have been outside the temple. But instead, they were in the temple. Now, you and I should be very interested because in the place, in the temple, for those who were pagans, according to the Jews, I'm a pagan and you are a pagan. Anybody who's not a Jew is a pagan, a Gentile, one of the nations. Okay, So there was a place in the temple for Jewish men. There was a place in the temple for Jewish women. There was a place in the temple for non-Jews, for the pagans, for the Gentiles. And guess where they parked the sheep and the oxen? Guess where they placed the tables for the money changers? Guess where they placed the doves? Yeah, in our place. That's not right. And was, was Jesus upset? Did he say, now get these out of here? No. He started, he, 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 started, uh, he made a whip and he, he ran them out of there. Um, he was really mad that they had taken um, something dedicated to God, to the adoration of God, to the worship of God, and turned it into something else. And they had plenty of space to do the something else. Um, when um, Look on page 10, if you will page 10 of the bulletin, and last week I was talking to some friends here in the parish, and one lady, who's Catholic, was driving along with her um, non-Catholic sister-in-law, her non-Catholic Christian sister-in-law. So two Christians, friends, I, if I said it every day, it wouldn't be enough. We are Christians. So many times I hear Catholics say, oh no, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Catholic. What do we have, two heads? Come on, we are Christians. We are Catholic Christians. There are non-Catholic Christians. Let's get the language down. I'm serious. Um, because we're, we're telling a lie. We're bearing false witness when we say, oh no, I'm not a Christian, I'm a Catholic. That's just ridiculous. So these two Christians, these two women, these two friends, I mean, not all sister-in-laws are friends, are they? Hmm. Um, You'll be seeing them at Thanksgiving. <laughs> anyway, so they're driving along in the car, and the non-Catholic feels very confident to ask her friend about the Catholic Church. And she said, "Why do Catholics? Why do Catholics? Why do y'all worship statues?" Um, now, the non-Catholic Christian woman, she's driving along. Of course, what does she have in her hand? No, it's not a beer. Okay, what does she have in her hand? She has her cell phone. You would think that the way people carry their cell phones, that the thing is tattooed on their hands, right? I mean, everybody has their cell phone uh, in their hand all the time. 
Um, we better, you have your cell phone in case we're stopped? They're going to want to see our cell phones. Anyway, so she has her cell phone right there in her hand, and, her, and the, the Catholic um, sister-in-law, the Catholic friend, says, you know how you have on your cell phone photos of your children, your friends, and the way you look at those photos, those shots that you've taken with your camera, that's the way Catholics look at the statues, no different. And you can read there what her sister-in-law said. Well, that makes perfect sense. I've just never heard anyone explain it. I've just never heard a Catholic explain it so well. Do you notice how this was not a violent, a violent confrontation? This was not something that they had to fight over. Now, after they discussed that, I bet they exchanged recipes. Women are always working. I'm serious. Um, hey, listen, and men, we benefit from all those new recipes. <laughs> On the cover of the bulletin, you can see how yesterday in 1519, it was um, a peaceful confrontation between Cortez and Montezuma. And isn't it disgusting how well this monument is being taken care of? Do you see how pieces of the monument have fallen off? Looks like a lot of our cemeteries, don't it? Doesn't it? The, um, anyway, Cortez met Montezuma for the first time on November 8, 1519. And right after he met, them, met him, he took him prisoner. That's not bad. There were less than a thousand Spaniards and over 20 million um, Aztecs. The Aztecs were like the communists, you know, in Russia. The, the communists started taking over the people around them. They did not want to be taken over, but they were taken over by the Aztecs. So we, we call them all Aztecs, but there were a lot of people who didn't want to be taken over. They were called Aztecs. So Cortez took Montezuma prison, prisoner. And yesterday began, um, in a serious way, the conquest of Mexico, and it would become very violent. In fact, just to get there, it had been violent. Just before they, they crossed the pass into the Valley of Mexico, they came upon this group of people who lived in Cholula. And they had a very famous pyramid there. Um, Dr. Warren Carroll, in his book, describes how the pyramid there was kept in perfect, perfect order. If there was a crack in the mortar, they filled it immediately because they believed if they didn't fill the crack immediately, just terrible things would leak out and destroy everything. Um, the kind of mortar they used, they used lime. I'm sorry, this is going to be disgusting. They used lime and it was mixed with the blood of children five years old and younger. Who came up with that recipe right, for mortar? That's what they used. That's what they thought they had to use. Uh, human sacrifice was rampant. Now, Mexico was a, and still is a beautiful place, but it was a big, beautiful prison. Um, the, Dr. Carroll mentions that people couldn't escape on the Gulf of Mexico. They couldn't get away. Or on the Pacific Ocean. Um, who's going to cross that in 1519? The jungles to the south would only let a few people survive and get through. And the deserts and the mountains in the north. So Mexico was big, beautiful, and a prison. 
because the Aztecs were in charge, very much like the communists in charge of the USSR before the Berlin Wall came down. Cortez and his men began to um, conquer these people. You know, we're, we're sitting in a Catholic church in the Americas. Uh, Mexico is part of North America, of course. Uh, what started there on November 8, 1519, has a direct connection to how we are sitting here today. Um, the pilgrims came along about 100 years later. Uh, welcome to the party, right? But the, um, the, the Spaniards had begun the conquest of Mexico, and it was a violent spreading of the gospel. Now, turn to page 9 in the uh, bulletin, and you see at the top of page 9, um, the numbers 1, 2, 3, and 4. Page numbers 1, 2, and 3, and 4. Now, um, this, is, this may be Greek to you. And the reason it may be Greek to you is because it is Greek. Um, the words latria, hyperdulia, and dulia. <coughs> Pardon me. These are Greek words. Now, these look like useless words. Oh, great. This is Sunday morning, and I want a Greek lesson. This is going to help me in no way during the rest of my week. This is so tedious, right? No, it's not. Because um, a lot of times when we are interacting with our Christian friends and co-workers, our Christian neighbors, they're not Catholic Christians, they're non-Catholic Christians, a lot of times they're going to bring up things like I just mentioned. Why do Catholic worships, worship statues? Kind of a... Um, a corollary to that would be, why do Catholics worship Mary? That would be like someone coming up to you as a mom or a dad. Your kids are great kids, but they come up, perfect stranger, and, says, and they say to you, every time your kids go into the store, why do they steal from that store? Well, it's not true. And if they said that, wouldn't that be uh, breaking the commandment? Uh, do not bear false witness, Right? And so when we hear non-Catholic Christians say, why do Catholics worship statues? Why do Catholics worship Mary? Most Catholics don't even respond. Don't even respond. We're not evangelizing. We're not evangelizing those who've already heard the gospel. The Pope and the popes before him they are begging me and you to say something, um, to say something um, helpful, because it's not good for them to go around bearing false witness. You could say something as easy as this. I'm sorry, but that's not true. Well, what do you mean it's not true? And then you could hand them uh, page nine and ten. I went, at the last mass. I tore mine out of the bulletin. Look at that. If I did this, you could, too. You could hand them page 9 and 10 and say, hey, Charlie, why don't you read this and then we can talk about it. If Charlie says this to you, oh, I don't have time to read that. Take off your shoes, knock the dust from your shoes, and don't talk to Charlie anymore. Um, if, if Charlie just wants to moan about a lie that he's telling other people, leave him alone. Charlie, you keep saying that. And you're bearing false witness. You don't have to get angry. You don't have to get violent. But you should 
say something. Now, friends, look at the top of page nine. The day after Halloween was All Saints Day. Friends, have you noticed in the last 40 years or so, Halloween is more popular than ever, especially popular among non-Catholic Christians? Yeah, Catholic Christians um, um, get into Halloween, too. When I was a kid, when I went to the drugstore, it was a drugstore. Now it's what you're walking into Dracula's castle when you go into Walgreens, right? Ugh, gee, I don't, if I want to see something hideous, I don't want to go into the, 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 the Walgreens. Anyway, people, weeks before Halloween, they, um, they start decorating the outside of their homes. In fact, you can still drive around in Greenville and see people who haven't taken down their decorations. Now, won't that be lovely? Christmas lights and Halloween stuff, right? Now, that's a real mixture, right? They can't make up their minds. So, um, so Halloween, Halloween has a real grip on a lot of people in the culture today, doesn't it? It certainly does. Why don't we do something about it? Why don't we, why don't we make connections? Hey, uh, notice uh, you were really big into Halloween. You know that Halloween is the day before All Saints Day. Christmas, Christmas Eve. All, All Saints Day used to be called All Hallows. The Feast of All Hallows. So, Christmas, Christmas Eve, All Hallows, All Hallows Eve. The day before, um, All Saints Day, All Hallows. Um, uh, eight days after, eight days after Halloween was yesterday. Um, for centuries, the church has celebrated big feast days, getting ready for it nine days before and celebrating it eight days after. Isn't it interesting that this took place um, on the eighth day, the last day of the octave of Halloween of All Saints, right? So talk to your friends uh, about this. Now, look at page nine, Latria, Hyperdulia, Dulia. Let's start with Latria. Latria applies to what we owe to God. Latria is adoration, worship. That's why we come here on Sunday. How many times do you hear people say, who are not Catholic, I don't need to go to church on Sunday. I can worship God at home. Oh, about uh, um, 11.30 on Sunday night, call up your non-Catholic friend. Hey, did you go to church today? No, I don't have to. It's like a recording on their phone. I don't have to go. I don't have to go to church on Sunday. I can worship God at home. Did you? Did I what? Did you worship God at home? No, I... Uh, uh, See, it, it's rather simple, isn't it? Um, uh, worship of God, adoration of God, is latria. That word latria is so specific in Greek, it applies only to God. Now, dulia is the word that we see there that applies to the saints. Um, what if I told you every member of the Catholic Church in the world is in St. William's Church? Right now, at this very moment. No, no, it's not, right? Um, uh, there are people all over the world who are Catholic Christians today, right? And then there are some Catholic Christians who are now dead. And there will be Catholic Christians who come after us, right? So uh, those Catholic Christians who died, um, many of them are in heaven. Hopefully all of them are in heaven. Um, 
if you, uh, if you talk to your friends who are non-Catholic, the word that we use to describe what we owe to those, um, those Catholic veterans who are in heaven right now around the throne of God is called dulia. Um, I bet last week somebody asked you to pray for them. Maybe a non-Catholic said, I'm having a procedure at the hospital tomorrow. Will you pray for me? And you probably said, sure. Right? The, uh, they're always asking us to pray for them, or we're asking them to pray for them. Say, um, so you mean I can't ask my brothers and sisters, my fellow Christians who are now in heaven, I can't ask them to pray for me? You look at the book of Revelation in the Bible, and the saints, my brothers and sisters, are presenting our prayers, the prayers of the church, before God in heaven. It's so easy. Now look at the word dulia, and you see the one right above it. It's called hyperdulia. The word hyper means uh, above. You know, um, we, we all often call someone hyper, who's hyperactive. Um, a lot of these hyperactive individuals are BOYs, right? You know, when you, when you hear somebody doing something like this, you, you know it's going to be a boy. If it's a girl, she has a brother. And she's imitating him, right? You know, they're, they're moving around. They've got to be, they've got to be doing, they got, they're hyperactive. There's a certain amount of activity, but they go above and beyond that. Um, there's the activity, and then there's hyperactivity. There's dulia, the love and respect and veneration that we owe to our brothers and sisters, the saints in heaven. But the, the, the love and veneration that we have for Our Lady is above that. It's not, it's not adoration, it's not worship, it's not latria, but it's not dulia. It's somewhere in between. Um, Jesus loves his mother. Jesus respects his mother. You know why? You know how I know this? Because Jesus is a Jew. And the Jews live the commandments. One of the commandments, honor your father and your mother. So now that Jesus is in heaven and his mother is in heaven, does Jesus turn to his mother and say, hey, old lady, now that you're in heaven... Um, and I'm in heaven, I don't have to love you and worship you anymore. No. No, he doesn't say that. How, how rotten that would be, right? He loves her, and he honors her, and he respects his mother. When you get to heaven, and your mother is there in heaven, are you going to love her? No. You Remember in first grade? Oh, children are so tedious. Anyway, the uh, yeah, if you get to heaven and your mother's in heaven... You're going to love her and honor her. What, Jesus can't love his mother and honor her in heaven? Friends, this is not hard. This is not difficult. Especially with something like this. Here's one page. One page. The new evangelization of the Americas is taking place right now. Um, the Americas, uh, Mexico, North America, South America, Central America, there was a time when the Americas were serving the devil. Mexico was worshiping the devil when this happened. Mexico was visibly, daily serving the devil. Um, and um, Cortez and his men, yeah, they came to conquer um, the Americas for the Catholic king and queen of Spain. Um, but they also came to spread the faith. The faith is here. Now, we have to spread this faith to Christians who have lost their way or haven't heard the truth about the faith. 
Um, you are a temple of God. That's what St. Paul says in that second reading. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone, if any man destroys God's temple, God will destroy that man for the temple of God, which you are, is holy. Um, the, um, we're being influenced all the time by people who, um, well, they're leading us astray. Last Tuesday, we had a national election, right? We had local, state, and national elections. And there's a guy on TV. I don't watch this show. I don't recommend that you watch this show, but it's called The Daily Show. John Stewart, The Daily Show. Somebody was interviewing John Stewart on Tuesday, the day of the elections. I, I learned on Tuesday that John Stewart, he, write, he, he, um, he has a comedy show, so he, he does a lot of jokes. He has 31 writers who write out his jokes. So he can always be funny. He's got 31 people writing his jokes out, right? Well, on Tuesday, it was a live interview. <laughs> so John Stewart didn't have access to his 31 writers. So the, uh, here's how the interview, and the woman who was interviewing him was very cordial to John Stewart. So she said, hi, John. He said, hi, Susie, or whatever her name was, right? And Susie said, hey, John, today is um, uh, election day. Have you voted? Uh, I'm not kidding. This is what John Stewart said. No, I don't have my thingy. He didn't have his voter registration. And the goof didn't know what a voter registration was called. No, I, I moved and I don't have my thingy. It wasn't even funny. Here's a man who's criticizing politicians left, right and center every day. That's how he makes his money. Making fun of politicians. And John Stewart, later on, later on in the interview, he remembered that he had indeed voted. Oh, yeah, I guess that's too late. You know, on Tuesday when I voted, then later on, a couple hours later, then I forgot. Then I remembered that, yeah, um, how pathetic. If it's true, it's pathetic. If it's a lie, it's pathetic. But it was live. It was live TV. <laughs> I guess in this case, it was lie TV. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. I think John may have a future in politics. The um, Friends. Think about it and pray about it. Do something to get out the word. Why? Because we have, we have Christians who are bearing false witness. Bearing false witness against me and you. I'm not an idolater like they were in um, Mexico City. I don't worship statues. I don't worship Mary. I worship God. And for Catholics to roll over and say nothing is to allow someone to bear false witness. No, um, God does not want us um, to be distracted from our mission. He doesn't want us being consumed by the marketplace. He wants us to recognize that we have one purpose. We are the temple of God and God's spirit dwells in us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.